Paper Cut Podcast strives to be evocative and inclusive. Every Monday, we cut below the surface with folks that make the Winnipeg arts and culture scene thrive. Welcome to Paper Cut Podcast. My name is Jared Goche. I'm Olivia Michaelchuk, and we're here with Jen Dirksen. So, can you please try and sum up some of the things that you do? Okay, I am Jen Dirksen. Um, I'm a non-binary creator, I guess. Um, I do a lot of videography work right now, uh, specifically for musicians and artists, but also for nonprofit organizations and corporate work. I also am a photographer, again, a lot for music photography and other artists, um, but also for some nonprofits and some more like corporate work. Uh, I'm also learning audio engineering at the moment. Um, I have been learning from Paul Yee at Stereo Bus as well as Riley Hill. Uh, I'm also working a little bit with Eric Roberts and with Morgan Coates, who are all local audio engineers that are great and really helpful and fun. And also Tim Eskierski, he does live stuff, which I haven't quite dove into as much, but he's always ready to help me out. Um, and I'm kind of onto the like doing stuff on my own part of that learning journey, um, mixing a lot of live stuff for video. I'm also a journalist at the Manitoban. Uh, I'm an arts reporter, so I cover about 1,200 words every week on Winnipeg's art community in some form or another, and I work as a photo associate there too. I think that's like the majority of what's going on right now. Wow, that's a broad scope, like you are ingrained in the arts and culture scene. Yeah, I spend a lot of time in the arts scene in Winnipeg specifically. Um, and I get to being an arts reporter, this is my second year. Last year I was at the projector at Red River College. Um, this year I'm with the Manitoban and it's really great. It's been a really great sort of change of scenery and environment for me as a journalist and it's pushed me in ways which is a lot of fun. Um, but I've really gotten to know different people. I've really gotten to know different art forms. Um, like I have language to talk about performing arts, visual art, experimental art, um, sound art, like, and I'm slowly learning things to talk about food and like ballet and opera and stuff like that too. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm out a lot. People are like, Hey, I've seen you taking photos. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so you're pretty much preparing yourself to be the go-to arts and culture person of Winnipeg. You're everywhere. You have sort of your pen and a lot of ink. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm very active and outgoing. Um, and I think a lot of that is a product from my the college program I was in, Creative Communications. Uh, their work ethic there is just like, go, go, go. Uh, you have a lot of coursework, usually seven, eight classes a semester. And then you're also told to get involved in as much as you can, because you won't develop professionally unless you make connections. So that sort of got me into a, like a hamster wheel habit of just constantly running and running and doing stuff and running. Um, and it hasn't quite slowed down. I thought it was going to slow down. I've taken some breaks here and there, um, but it seems like I'm still out. I don't know if I would say I'm preparing myself to be the go-to because I'm sort of doing it like I'm just doing it because it's there. A lot of the work I do is I do it because someone was like, hey, Jen, can you do this? Um, That's kind I, of being the go-to. Well, <laughs> it depends on, like, I don't know. And, and the I'm thing letting is, you, I'm yeah. pumping your tires for you, and I'm letting you take it. Take thanks. it. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just say thanks. It's, I mean, the, the one job that I definitely pursued was being the arts reporter. That was the one job where I was like, you know what, I love this work. 
Like, I just love the work. I was like, just let me do this job. And I had applied for the Uniter as well before the Manitoban because their hiring rounds were sooner in the year. Um, and I was turned down there and it made me sad, but I was like, you know what? Like, wherever I do this work, I just want to do this work. Um, I think I share, like my roles, there are many people who do what I do in the creative community. Um, there are many people like Joey Sanford, like Travis Ross, um, like Chris Freeland, like there's all kinds of people who do photo, video, like Eric Roberts too, sound. Um, and so I'm, I feel really grateful that in the past couple of years I have gotten to meet so many people and have felt a lot of support from the community, but it also like is sort of nice feeling too that I don't always have to be the person who's out there mm -hmm. because before I went into college I actually like was very sort of more introspective as a person. I wouldn't hang out with groups more than like three <laughs> and a lot of the time I would just want to like read like before I went into college I just wanted to like read books and meditate all the time so it's been kind of a like I'm doing a body motion of being thrown by waves for all the listeners <laughs> yeah, out there it looks great <laughs> um so it's, it's it's I'm still trying to get used to it honestly but it seems awesome that it's like I can do this the fact that I could make a living in the arts is like like man it's a wild idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it solves so many of my like childhood anxieties about being an adult, you know, where it's like when you're a kid, you're like, okay, when I grow up, like I'm going to find a good job and then my parents won't have to worry about me and I'll have a nice apartment and blah, blah, blah. And you just, you think that you're going to be on this path that everyone's like, hey, this is, this is how you do being an adult. But then once I got into the art scene I realized, wow, like I can one, work in arts, two, I can work for myself. And like three, there's so many more options out there than I've been told. I don't know. It feels really good on that front being in the art scene because mm -hmm. like there's people make new stuff up all the time. Um, like this weekend was the Afro Prairie Film Festival, which is the first uh, like black focused film festival in the prairies in Canada. And I think that's awesome. And that's just like a group of people in our art scene being like, hey, there's a bunch of artists. They don't have a platform. Let's make a platform. And I'm like seeing that a lot. And it's it's cool to see. I don't know. I'm rambling now, but no, you're doing a great job. This it, is exactly <laughs> this is the best. It's just yeah, it's really awesome to be part of the community. And I'm happy that people like my work. That was one thing that I never really like thought about too much, because when you're in college, they don't give you a choice. You just have to do it and you have to put it out there. Mm -hmm. um, and I think about all the people who get kind of started more on their own time, I guess. And it seems like it could be a bit more nerve wracking, but like college like forced me out there into the world. And now I'm like, it's about a year after I finished college. I'm kind of like, holy shit, like I'm out here now. <laughs> people know who I am. Um, actually, l last night at Festival, I didn't attend many of the festival events this weekend because I had family stuff going on. Um, but it was one of those moments where I was like so keenly aware of like, if I go out, a bunch of people are going to want to talk to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like, no, you're not always in the mood to talk to people. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but at the same time, it gives me that perspective of like, I feel like people will miss me if I don't go out to events and like, I feel loved in that way by the community. Mm -hmm. Like it's this weird internal dissonance between like, I don't actually like people and don't actually want to talk to people, but actually I love everyone and everyone's so nice and I want to like be with them. So it's a, 
weird thing I'm still trying to figure out how to be in the arts community so publicly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that is captured in the work that you do, is that you can't get that picture of somebody being like open and out there unless they have like a connection with the person that's creating the art from them. So an article or a photograph or like video, there's there's skill and then there's also a connection that's what I have that's what I feel like if somebody's looking into a lens at you they're looking at you through the lens right so like some of the pictures that you capture are just amazing and you can see like the love and connection in that way sorry that's nice <laughs> yeah no <laughs> I like that like, it, it's just amazing the, the some of the things that you capture all of the things that you capture yeah I feel like it's when you're doing photography and videography or writing or anything it's all relationships right um, and in any relationship this is I guess personally how I feel about them but you need to be respectful and you need to develop trust and when you're a photographer and your job is to drop in on a performance get photos and like go especially in journalism where you don't necessarily have the luxury of staying for the whole event then you're in that spot of negotiating okay I need to have a good relationship with this person I need to be respectful and I need to inspire trust but at the same time like I need to get what I need to get and I need to leave by the time I need to leave mm -hmm. um, so so it's I'm very aware that when I do take photos of people when I do take video I am building a relationship when I do stories I'm building a relationship with them, even if it's like, uh, maybe I photographed someone once. Um, but it's, I don't know, I think it's still important to really take care of that aspect of the, the work. And I think that's where that connection comes in, is if you're mindful of, you're not just taking someone's photo, you're starting a conversation. Um, you're in a position of power over them instantly because they're performing, they're simply doing what they set out to do. And now you're able to capture them, record them, like that can be intimidating and I don't think people always like having a lens in their face and sometimes I feel bad just like yeah I'm gonna take photos now even when it's my friends like I shot Roman Clark that was the only thing I shot this weekend at Festival de Voyager and I was still like self-conscious shooting because mm -hmm. I like make direct eye contact with him and I'm like man Roman's so nice I really hope he doesn't mind that I'm taking <laughs> photos right now <laughs> So can I ask, you were, you made a good point. You, sometimes you want to balance that relationship with that person, but you also are on a timeline. You have things to do. You have things to capture. Sometimes it takes a little while to warm up. How do you find that balance between getting that person to warm up to you and also being able to get out, you know, with enough time to do whatever yeah. else you need to do? Um, it really depends on the person. Some, per some people, like, it, and I think it's easier if we just stick to, like, sort of music and performance right now, I guess. Um, some people are performers naturally, and when they're being a musician on stage, they're performing. And some folks feel like, yes, I'm performing, everyone look, like whole world see me. Other people are performers where they're like, okay, it's time for me to perform. This is hard for me, but I know I have to do it. I know it feels good after, but like everyone is different in that way. Um, and so I find people respond to the camera differently along with those things. People who are really into performing and are just performing because it feels so good, usually they're very easy to um, warm up to and take pictures of because they're in that mindset of like, yeah, I'm putting on my performance. Yeah, it's great. Yes, capture this because it's only happening now, you know? Um, whereas I think people who maybe don't have that same boisterous outgoing or that same like 
practiced performance kind of thing or people who are more shy or maybe struggle with anxiety or that sort of thing. Maybe it's more, I have to start slow when I'm photographing or start with a wide angle lens. I think what lens you use and how close you have to get really is where you develop that comfort. Um, some people I feel, and you like just get a sense of it through the lens of people's body language when you have the camera on them, that kind of thing. People change when you put a lens on them, so it's important to be able to pick up on that. Um, some people will pull back when they see that I'm getting close and I have a big, like I have this one lens that's like super wide on the front and like it's like half the size of my face. Um, so it's not long, but it looks big. And I'd imagine looking straight into it is like, whoa. Um, so I'll start with like my small low profile lens. Um, and then once I get like good, like warmed up and they seem to be comfortable with me being there, then I can put on a little closer lens and get a little tighter or something. Um, I really try and be mindful of that kind of stuff. It also helps if I can just talk to the people before I have to photograph them which I really try to do whenever I can to be like, hey, like, I'm Jen, I'm going to be photographing. Or after the set sometimes, or like, not I'm going to be photographing, but saying, hey, I'm Jen, I was hoping to photograph your set, do you guys mind? Mm -hmm. And like, usually musicians are like, heck yeah, go for it. Mm -hmm. But like, just being able to ask just creates that like, that trust immediately. The fact that someone was able to give consent um, and that I'm willing to respect that and that I've opened the dialogue there. I do sometimes photograph people without having opportunities to talk to them, in which case I will sometimes try and follow up after the fact and send messages. Or depending on what the job is for, sometimes you just photograph them and turn in the photos. Like photographing for big fun. I was on the volunteer photographer team <clears throat> and I didn't get to talk to everyone that I photographed, but because it was my job, just take the photos and get out of there. Um, for example, this weekend at F Festival de Voyageur again, I was photographing for the Manitoban, but didn't really have any other pressing jobs going on this weekend. So I didn't really feel like I should be front and center taking photos of every band because it didn't feel like I had proper purpose or right to be like in the space and in the environment and doing that. Um, it always feels a lot easier when you know like, okay, this is my job. The people who organized it made sure it's okay. like you know, there's a team sort of there where I just have to take the pictures and that's it. I don't know. There's so many different environments where you take pictures. Like, it's so different. <laughs> Do you want to talk about some of the other environments? Like, say, for example, um, if you're going to uh, a rally or going to something where you are supposed to be removed from the situation, how does that change your style of photography? Um, I guess more so of like a uh unobtrusive yeah observer. sort of more journalistic right there's definitely a different practice like practice between the photography that i do as art and the photography that i do as a journalist as a mm -hmm. photojournalist um and photojournalism is you are supposed to be removed you still have to ask consent but like you're not expected to stay for the whole event you're it's like totally cool to people in journalism if you drop in drop out and that kind of thing um, I find it's a bit easier sometimes with journalism because you can be like, I'm just doing my job and you can have the distance that journalism, journalists get with, you're not supposed to be involved 
um, you're not supposed to participate in the thing that you're documenting, which is crucial to be able to document it accurately. Um, and it, it can sometimes make it easier because then you don't have to think about it. Like you just, okay, I know what my job is. I need to go get these photos. I have to make sure I get all my names right. And there you go. Mm -hmm. um, but some situations call for more engagement, I guess, than is normal. Like I was photographing the March for Love for Tina. And that is a march where I'm not just a journalist. I'm also a community member. Um, because I am, I help make Red Rising Magazine. Another thing I forgot, I do layout for Red Rising Magazine, so I like help get it organized and published. Um, and because I've been part of that for two and a half years, three years, I'm part of the indigenous community in Winnipeg. So attending a march, attending the march for Tina uh, was not just, I have to go get photos for work, but it was like, I have to get photos for work and I also have to make sure that I'm being a good community member, being respectful and, um, and participating a little bit. So the way that worked is I got my photos first um, of the march. Like I went down there, I made sure I got my march photos, I covered the stuff I needed to cover. And then once I felt I got what whatever sufficed, which means not going crazy and taking, pardon me, not going wild and taking tons and tons of photos, getting what I know I need, and then f stepping back and giving people space. Photographing people who are grieving is one of the most sensitive things um, that I've ever done. Uh, I sh also shot the vigil for Serena McKay last spring. Uh, she was another young woman from Saging First Nation who went missing. She was actually, I believe, murdered by uh, class. Anyway, I was on the job for the Winnipeg Free Press to photograph that vigil. And that was one of the first times where I was very professionally photographing people who were grieving. And if you're going to do that properly, you need to participate enough to show the community that you are a good human being and that you care for them and respect them before your job. Mm -hmm. um, so when we went to photograph Serena McKay, I was with a journalist. The journalist had to do a fair bit of talking around. So I sat at the sacred fire with the grandmas for about two hours before the vigil started. And then because of that, I was able to capture good photos. Um, I was allowed much closer into the vigil than any of the other press media. I was actually able to t drive in the van with the community elders who were transporting the sacred fire from where it was to the site of the vigil. Um, so I was able to get in close because I, I put some energy into building that relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and again, with the March for Tina, when I initially left the house, I realized I forgot to bring tobacco. Mm -hmm. um, and that was something where I was like, okay, well, like I am going, this will like really bother me if I go to do this job and I don't bring tobacco. Cause at the very least I could bring tobacco. Mm -hmm. They requested tobacco, uh, tobacco ties for the missing and murdered indigenous women, uh, monument at the forks. So I, I turned around and got the tobacco. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and overall, like, it's not like I got any really great photos of the march. It wasn't like I was really going to get that, like, emotional, grieving person photo. Um, but I don't feel like it's my job to get that photo. You know what I mean? Um, and then I was deliberate about when I finished my work, I went and said a prayer at the monument and placed my tobacco tie and then went home. 
And not that I'm necessarily a religious person, just that because I've spent time in the community, I know that this is how you're supposed to act. Mm -hmm. Like if you're going to go to a vigil, if you're going to go to any sort of um, ceremonial type thing or any, really if anyone's doing anything for you that they don't have to do, or if you want to show appreciation in any way, bring tobacco. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... So yeah, I that was a situation where I didn't take the liberty of having all the separateness of journalism, but there are situations where it's safer to take that distance. Um, and it feels more comfortable for you as a person to let that wall come between you. And sometimes during the gathering in the Odina, I walked back out of the circle and had to like step back and remind myself, like you're still doing journalism here Like, you can be involved, but you still need to have that bit of distance. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's something that you're sort of constantly negotiating and something you're also sort of constantly questioning because journalism is a colonial practice in Canada. um, And it is something that is part of a larger historical narrative, as is everything. Um, And it's something that you need to be critical of in, in order to do well. And sometimes that means saying, you know what, just because they say that you need to have this distance doesn't mean that I'm going to take it this time, you know? Um, and trying to sort of push journalism where I my ethics feel it should go, I guess, sometimes, which I think can be a little more stringent than what's normal. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff to think about. Yeah. That's, um, thank you. Yeah, no problem. I think a lot of people, when when talking to photographers, you know, they'll have a lot of different styles, but it's not too often that you, you go into that relationship that you're building with that person. And it's really interesting to see your perspective on it. I think it's really amazing. Yeah, that's one thing that um, I've had conversations with fellow photographers about. When I was in journalism school, um, Cricom, you learn journalism, you learn whatever. Um, My journalism instructor was very deliberate, like, you need to talk to people if you're going to take their photo. Um, And then we had a guest speaker photographer come in who now, like, teaches one of the classes there, and he doesn't always do that. Um, And so a conversation got started within that class about, like, is this proper ethics and why are we being taught by a guy who has questionable ethics, but also (laughs) that extended out as I became a photographer, talking with fellow photographers um, about other photographers' work, Um, because it's a fairly, Winnipeg's a small place. People get to know each other. Um, And I have a couple friends who, if they see another photographer is not aware of that relationship aspect, it greatly devalues their work in the eyes of this other person. Um, Because part of... I, such a crucial part of what photography is in, in capturing another person. It's not just a pretty image. Um, there's a, a sense, like there's feeling in it. It's art in a way. Um, it's, again, a position of power. There needs to be trust. Like, if you don't put the effort or at least think about building those relationships, then I think you come away with just sort of a like cheaper, easier art. Um, and Olivia mentioned that connection and I think that's where you get images where it doesn't have that same life in it you know what I mean and you don't feel you don't feel as moved because yeah I don't want to say because someone was lazy but like 
it really depends on how you photograph who you photograph and mm-hmm. how you feel about that. For me personally... And experience too, I guess. Yeah. For me personally, the relationships is a big thing. Um, I have a good friend where it's like the relationships is like, that's the basis of their whole photo- photography practice. Um, Interesting. So, yeah. it's, and I mean, everyone does things differently. Everyone makes art for different reasons. Yeah. Um, so... It really varies, but I find, I don't know, I'm a very relationships kind of person. I get a lot of my worth in life and my feelings of fulfillment from maintaining good relationships with people. So that's what's meaningful to me in general. Yeah, and I find that interesting um, with the questionable uh, ethics in, you know, not talking to that person beforehand. I know some photographers are self-taught, some go to different schools where that might not be a narrative that's discussed. Do you think in the community that there's an education that goes around if you see someone who maybe isn't going around making those relationships or at least, you know, communicating with that person? Um, I think, I don't know if I would say a direct education. I think there's a lot of sort of unsaid, you get a sense of things. Um, from what I know, the majority of the photographers who are public about their photography um, tend to feel more comfortable photographing people they know. Like, I know when I started photographing bands, it was, I would go to my friend's set and photograph them. Um, And then after a while, I realized, oh, I can actually do this. That's when I felt comfortable enough to photograph strangers. Um, So, I mean, I think people kind of figure it out. It's kind of innate after a while, like, you kind of figure if you're going to be taking someone's picture and then going home, it feels creepy if you don't say, hey, I took your picture. Like, yeah. it just feels weird, man. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think it's... And I mean, you see other people doing it. And one of the nice things in our community is that it's so friendly that, like, if I photograph a band and maybe I didn't know them before, maybe they were a touring band, I go up to them after say, hey, man, great set. Like, that was great. Um, and then we chat. Or, like... Um, you'll see the musicians talking to the photographers. You'll see the sound guys talking to the photographer. You'll, you'll just see everyone kind of talking to each other. So I hope it sort of gives that impression that it's okay to speak up and say, hey, I'm so-and-so. Like, I think that people have to get over an initial shyness, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that that would be the only place where, like, the education really needs to come in is, like, how to just go and do. Um, but I think everyone finds that kind of on their own speed mm-hmm. I want to ask you about do you have a moment where like I recently just picked up a camera and started playing with it it's hard it's so hard like to get your lighting right and to like it's so difficult and you can see like sometimes when uh, an, a performer is coming up to you and they're like this is the shot like yeah here it is here it is here it is and you miss it and it's just like Like, when was the moment for you when you're like, this doesn't happen to me anymore, like, I get the shots? Or do you still, does it still happen? I still miss shots, for sure. Yeah. Um, And it's, like, really disappointing because a lot of the time it's, like, my, one of my favorite lenses, the 85, it's got a 1.2 f-stop, it's, like, super buttery and, like, great for low light. Mm -hmm. The autofocus on it sucks, like, totally sucks. So if you're trying to autofocus in a situation that's just, like, slightly too dark you won't get it. And so if you're photographing a performer, recently I had, when I photographed 3 Pete and like Egg, I was photographing Egg for New Music Night mm-hmm. and he, or for something, any, oh, your showcase, anyway, he gave me the shot and I just 
barely got something that I could keep and use. Mm -hmm. um, and it was hard. But there are other times I've ha probably had a lot more moments where it's like, yeah, I got it. Like when you get the shot and you're like, holy, like nice. And then you just get this rush and it's like, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, wow, I could just quit now. Just <laughs> but it does feel really good. Um, I think I got to the point of being that comfortable, of being able to get those shots um, about a year in. My first year of concert photography was done during my last year of college, which was 2016 to 2017. Um, and I was photographing a concert every week, possibly up to three concerts every week for six months straight. Mm -hmm. um, wow. So it's just practice. Mm -hmm. It's just practice. Do you have the shot? Like, what is your the shot that you have? That you would retire on. Yeah, that yeah. you would retire yeah. on so far. There is... Recently, there hasn't been a ton because I've been doing a lot more video and I get more excited about video. Um, so I'm going to, like, switch and talk about a video shot that I got. <laughs> okay. That felt really good. Nice. Yeah. Um, I was recently shooting a music video for Living Hour. Mm. Um, and it was sort of an impromptu thing, and we were kind of figuring it out as we went along. But I got this one shot of Sam Sardi. We were doing this one part of the video where she was standing at this, like, mirror. We're in the mariachi suites in, like, the Greek room. So it was, like, very... Mm -hmm. themed a lot of like dark greens and purples and she's standing by this mirror with like some really beautiful stuff on the like shelf right below it and she's putting on lipstick and she's singing and then taking a break to put on her lipstick and then she's just singing and like admiring herself in the mirror kind mm -hmm. of and I was shooting it and as she was singing she put the lipstick on she put it back down and she was singing and I kind of got a little bored of the shot I had so I decided to pull back and try and get some of like the back of her head for some reason and it timed perfectly with her like going and grabbing her ponytail and like pulling her ponytail out to the side and letting her hair drop and it just like the lens I used was the 85 <laughs> so it's just all like smooth and buttery and it's so sensual and like the mood is just so soft and kind of bold but still like vulnerable and like kind of sexy in a way and I was like yeah like, Jen acted it out for us. Yeah. I'm so sorry nobody got to see that, but it, it is a beautiful shot. Yeah, from what you described it, it was fantastic. And so, and that was a video that was edited by a person named Chelsea. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I could remember your last name, but she, I got to see the final cut of it the other day, mm -hmm. and what she did with that take just looks fabulous. And the way she worked it into the video as a whole, it just looks so great. And when we got that take, Chelsea got really excited when she saw it. She was like, oh, your intuition, you just, like, you knew, right? And mm -hmm. I was like, I just got, like, got bored and thought I would, like, try something else, I guess. But there are moments, like, photography is such a momentary thing, and videography mm -hmm. is such a momentary thing. And being a sort of, like, I'm not really an art-based anything. I'm a, uh, like, documentary-based everything, being from a journalistic background. So, huh. sorry. I'm so sorry. No, it's um, all good. Got a phone call. <laughs> if you could barely hear that on the cast. Yeah. If you can't, that'd be awesome if you couldn't. Oh, I don't think you can. <laughs> well, now it's all it's documented, so it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I'm just throwing it in a different room. Um, yeah. So I've got a question for you. Yeah. Do you, because it's so momentary and it could, it's so fleeting, do you ever get that, that FOMO of, 
oh, am I going to miss this shot? Like, if I, if I go to this other room, like, is this band just going to have this fantastic scene that I'm going to miss? Yeah, you kind of got to weigh your options. And, like, I'm feeling a little bit of FOMO about not going to the show last night for Royal Canoe. Mm-hmm. Um, I got some great shots. So. Because, like, it looked like an amazing <laughs> performance. But at yeah, the same it time, it's like, I I don't need to be the one to capture everything. I'm trying to, like, remind myself, okay, Jen, you can just, like, not sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Sometimes, especially when you're doing videography and if it's journalistic, you really have to have a sense of where you need to be and when to capture what you want. And a lot of times no one's telling you what's happening before you're going to capture. So it's totally on your sense of being able to feel out a space, being able to like figure out what's going on and then being able to sense where you need to be. Um, So I really go by gut a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and usually it saves me from missing stuff um but i think sometimes you you sort of have to give up a little bit sometimes and just be like you know what like i need to go shoot this other thing this is a really great performance i haven't quite got a shot that made me feel like yeah yet but you know you're not you're not always gonna get really awesome stuff you know especially when you do something a lot like after shooting a show every week for six months i didn't want to step a foot in the goodwill or the daughter like at all (laughs) and I was like okay I need to take a break I need to stay home I need to go to different venues I need to like just not be at the handsome daughter every single night you know um and then after you come back to it and there are some shows that are inspiring again and then you get into it again and like sometimes you just don't feel inspired and it's like it could be a really great musician it could be one of your favorite bands but it's just like I've taken this photo 700 times, you know? Yeah. So it's a. Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. Uh, so when you're taking a picture of, like, say, someone with a guitar and a microphone, how do you make that interesting? Because every band, I want to say, has someone with a guitar and a microphone. So how do you say, like, okay, this is going to be a different picture sure. of somebody with a guitar and a microphone? Like, yeah. what's your way of getting making those interesting? I think. Um, what I can do is be creative with where I shoot from. So that means trying to get up really high, trying to get down really low, um, changing my position, changing my lens, changing my angle, like trying to change as much as you can. You can only do so much. I find what really makes the difference for those kinds of photos is the person in the photo. Mm-hmm. Um, it will be an interesting photo depending on what that person is doing. And depending on how they're performing, depending on what they're feeling um, and how they're existing and expressing themselves in that moment. Um, And so of my basics for people with guitars, one, get it on the side so the microphone doesn't block their mouth. It's my like number one pet peeve with um, concert photography. It's like I'm, I'm super strict about this on myself, but it's like you should never, ever have a microphone blocking someone's mouth, like unless there's absolutely no way around it. Um, number two, just like finding where they fit in the frame so that you get the neck of the guitar properly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then from there, it's just a matter of being present and engaging in their art until they're in a moment of like full expression. And then that's when you get the good photo of a person with a guitar. Um, it totally, I find it's almost totally dependent on how they perform and how they act. And I've photographed some musicians where it's like they don't perform. They just don't perform. They're not performers. They're musicians. Who are the performers in Winnipeg? Um, well, Three Pete, great performers. Um, I think Royal Canoe's 
performers. Um, Bright Righteous, probably number one, some of the performers. Super Duty Tough Work is good performers. I find they get, the, the more people engage with them, the, the better they get. So like if they have a loving crowd, their set is like 100% better. Mm-hmm. Um, i trying to think. Dude, I see so many bands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which was like, if I may, one more question. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, uh, being someone who has seen so many shows, like seen so many posters, so many photographs, so many musicians, like what, how does that affect um, like you as an individual, like having all of that input? And I know that you play drums as well. Yeah. How do all of those things perhaps affect how you would possibly go about being a musician in Winnipeg? Um, oh, sorry, that's such a big question. It's I okay. Look on your face. <laughs> well, it's something that I've had to think about because I am in a band right now, and one of our band members really wants to get us off the ground, and I'm like, shit. I'm the person with all the connections. I'm the person with all the things that musician needs, like photos, audio, video, blah, blah, blah. I know managers, I know bookers, I know venues, like, um, and I guess it kind of, and this is sort of just my attitude and stuff in general, but it kind of makes me feel like, oh, everyone else has got this. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I can just sit back and chill. Um, I've never been, I've grown up with musicians around me my entire life. My dad plays guitar, my brothers play guitar, my best friends have played guitar, or something my whole life. I chose drums because everyone in my life was a guitarist when I was in high school. Um, But I've never felt so driven to make music because I see musicians who actually have that drive. Um, Someone like Roman Clark, someone like Brendan Kinsley of Super Duty Tough Work, Um, like someone like Micah Ehrenberg even, like people who are just dead set on making music. And in seeing that, I can see like, okay, I am not as passionate about this as they are. Um, I've seen all kinds of performances, like you said, all kinds of posters and images and everything. And it sort of just makes me feel like, you know what, Jen, just like have fun with it, chill out. Other people are doing great work. If they're already doing it, you don't really have to do it. <laughs> I kind of use it as a reason to like, oh, I don't have to do stuff. Right. But uh, it, I mean, you only have so much energy too, right? Um, so it, I really need to figure out how to f- focus mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Um, well, we're running uh, a little bit short on time, um, so we're going to wrap it up pretty soon. Okay. Um, do you have any other questions? Because you've had some really good questions today. Yeah, these are great questions. Yeah, I if you hang out with know. Jen all the time, and it's just like now that there's a microphone <laughs> in Jen's face, I get to ask the questions, you know? Yeah, the like, get in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I want everyone to know. No, if you have anything. Um, well, I'll, I'll just leave it on a general note. Um, what was the the event of 2018 that you've enjoyed the most so far? Like, doing? 2018. Yeah, 2018. And we're talking video, uh, like, photography. Like working? Yeah. What's what's the event that you've loved the most? Um, how do I not come up with a boring answer? Part of me wants to say January music meeting. Uh, which I photographed for Manitoba Music because it was a super chill job. They had snacks. I got to sit down a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and there was just so many smart people in the room and I just got to absorb so much information. 
Man, I have a really bad memory. One thing about being a photographer and going to stuff all the time is that it, I also like tend to smoke a little bit of weed. It all blurs together. <laughs> and so in order for me to remember what happens, I have to go into my Lightroom catalog and like look at my photos in order to be like, oh yeah, that. Um, Festival has been pretty fun. I don't know. We did, we shot Begonia the first night of Festival. Mm -hmm. And I think that was my most exciting work thing to date um, because I've been doing music videography for about a year now. And I'm really, myself, Buyo Assis and Crispy Bacon have a studio called B&B Studios. And we're really putting in time to try and get it off the ground right now. Um, and I'm starting to see, like, I'm starting to see that it's working. Um, so we were asked to shoot Begonia and we, we like pulled it all together in a week and got it all ready to go and then I was able to shoot Pagonia and like that for me is like I made it Winnipeg big time you know mm -hmm. like she is one of the like most astounding up-and-coming artists indie artists in Winnipeg right now her voice is just phenomenal her attitude is awesome mm -hmm. like and so getting to work with someone like her was like holy like Wow. Here we go. Man. Yeah, this is big time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, we're not just like making like quick music videos for like brand new bands anymore. Because it's how it started out was I needed to make some money when I finished college because I was going to go broke. Um, and so I just started messaging people who were performing on the weekend being like, hey, really excited for your show. Just wanted to let you know for a hundred bucks, I can get you a music video from your show. Mm -hmm. um, let me know if you're interested, we can talk it out, blah, blah, blah. And every week pitching people that way and maybe making 100 to $175 a week, which is like not enough money to live off of. But <laughs> so it was totally supplementary. But at that time I was like, sweet, we're just doing something good for people who need it. Like musicians need videos. Mm -hmm. um, but now I'm starting to realize, wow, like all musicians need videos. <laughs> so smart. <laughs> <laughs> Not just the new ones. That's awesome. So in 2018, expect to see B&B Studios yeah. everywhere, I'm assuming. You Hopefully we get some nice traction, you know, where yeah. we have, we just got a thousand followers on Instagram, Congrats. which is totally due to my, my partner, Buyo. Um, he brought it from like 300 to like a thousand in like two weeks. She's just wild. He's That's great. Awesome. Yeah. He's smart. Um, and yeah, hopefully B&B Studios more. I also work as genders in photography when I work for corporate clients and nonprofits. That's my, my brand. Um, and then hopefully I get to like record some bands this year too. Um, mm -hmm. If anyone's interested in helping a young non-dude get into the engineering scene <laughs> some more. Nice. Me up. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for coming in today. We really appreciate it. Um, catch Jen Dirksen at literally every show in Winnipeg <laughs> in 2018. Oh, um, man. Look for b, b Studios. And, uh, yeah, we just want to thank you for yeah, your time today. Thank this you so awesome. much for having Thanks me on. Thanks for uh, cutting deep with us. Yeah. Paper Cut Podcast. It's good to share. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Just a reminder, you can find all of our cuts online at papercutwinnipeg.com. Here's a cut from our interview next week with Gil Carroll. And, like, the weather, it's so tough because... You know, you can plan so much and put in so much time and money and effort and uh, it could all be ruined within an hour of intense rain. So it's kind of stressful, but it's, it's all just part of it.